This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, shit. You're listening to the James McMahon Music Podcast, and I'm your host, James McMahon. I'm saying my name very fast today. Chill out. And this is a Spook Media Production. As every mother knows, and fathers too, youngsters grow up much too fast. That's why every family needs a Kodak Instamatic movie camera. The camera that's so easy to load and so easy to use. Outdoors or in, even a busy mother can do it. It takes the brightest, sharpest home movies ever. Like these Super 8 movies actually taken with an Instamatic movie camera and projected with a Kodak Instamatic projector. Right now, with Christmas close at hand, we'd like to remind fathers everywhere, there is no finer gift for any wife this Christmas than a Kodak Instamatic movie camera all her own. It costs less than $40 and can save the joy of Christmas and happy months to come. Some of the most fun concerts I've seen, and I imagine I will ever see, were some of the Hidden Camera's first ever shows on British soil 20-odd years ago. Lush instrumentation, communal pseudo-religious sing-alongs, go-go dancers, and men in balaclavas dancing in their underpants. At the peak of their powers, as they were right out the gate, the Hidden Camera's were some band. And now there's a documentary entitled Music Is My Boyfriend, which documents the early days of the Toronto-born group, capturing much of magic which I've described. I got to see the film last week and so I jumped on a sketchily connected Zoom call for a conversation with Hidden Camera's fulcrum Joel Gibb, which was all at once fun, awkward, weird, maybe a bit rude, funny and informative. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem, man. No problem. It's a real pleasure. I was at the NME right at the beginning, you know, when when the first stroke you know when the first rough trade record came out and um yeah i don't think our paths ever crossed but i was i was always at the shows uh-huh i used to knock about a fair bit with tim johns and sometimes he would be in his underpants at your shows so uh yeah no they were they were they, it was an, an amazing time yeah where are you now anyway i'm staying at the beggar's flat so i'm in the beggar's banquet building in wandsworth town i uh yeah i stayed there years ago um 
with a band who were signed to Beggars, and we spent a load of time trying to work out which bed maybe Frank Black had slept in. Oh, well, there's two rooms. There's the single room, and then there's the dorm room. Are you over? So you, you're over for the premiere of the movie, right? Exactly, yeah. That was on Saturday. How did that go? That was good. It was kind of, I don't know the word, cathartic, full circle, to see the film finally start to have a new life or something. So tell me about, because I was like, um, you know, when I heard about the movie and I was super excited because, you know, it was just telling your story again. And, um, but I didn't, I was, I, I, I had no expectations. I didn't really know what it was going to be. Obviously that footage must have been knocking around for quite a long time. Exactly. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's some 16 millimeter footage from 2002, um, and then another concert 2004. So you kind of see me growing up a little bit. It's um, it's it's mad though, man. Like, I thought it really helped kind of get the personalities across of other people who are part of the hidden cameras or kind of in the orbit of your group that I maybe didn't know so much about as well. Yeah, it was really documenting a, a, a time and a place, you know, beyond the band, which I liked. I guess the thing with hidden cameras is that I think to really kind of understand them, and I've never been to Toronto, right? Like, I have no idea what Toronto's like, but it always felt as there's almost a danger of saying this of it sounding a bit sort of wishy washy, but it, it always felt as much of a project as a group. Is that kind of fair to say? Uh, I would say so, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was born out of um, like maybe more of an art mentality like i didn't know musicians i just knew some friends in art school and then i met some musicians after i finished my university studies because what kind of came across was that you know you were almost like the the guy within that crowd who always wanted to put a band together and they almost sort of like pushed you into it in a way yeah i mean i had never been asked to be in a band or i never grew up with people that we're in a band or, and then I was spent four years in university. I was just raring to go. And I wanted to make a band that maybe I would have liked to have been asked to be in. Like, wouldn't it have been nice to have been asked to play tambourine on one song in somebody's band, you know? So you were almost like kind of Father Christmas, making dreams come true. A little bit, yeah. I, I guess the other thing, though, is that because your shows, um, you know, you've never... You've never kind of done things the easy way, right? Like everything's been, you know, from maybe the places you play or like the presentation of it. Has that been difficult over the years? I, I imagine as the sort of economics of music making have got kind of harder, that maybe that's been difficult. Exactly. It was created as an art project, not as a business model. And so what you see in the documentary is a glimpse into that art project um moment before i was signed i mean that gig in 2002 that's filmed uh, the high up on the church ground footage that's the show that jeff travis came to see in toronto and yeah you're right it's difficult to take something like that on the road it's just you know it's it's basically impossible that is what i kind of thought maybe i mean you're doing these solo shows at the moment is that yeah has that come about because that's the, you know, almost like without sounding too gross, like an economic thing, or is that because that's just where your head was at? I 
I think I like playing solo now, finally, and I didn't have much experience on the stage when I was playing in 2001 and two. It's always nice to have a group of people, but um, I think my songs can work on their own. And um, I do want to play with a band again, but it just works for now, you know, with the, with the um, COVID and with the economic situation and um, it's been nice. Yeah. The frustrating thing was when I was watching the film is, you know, I'm like a bit of a child of, punk and diy and things like that and it immediately made me want to call friends up and form a band and i just don't have the time to do that which was the irritating bit um do you feel like bands still kind of emerge from similar scenarios like i don't really feel like i've heard kind of collectives from art schools and stuff getting together and making bands in a while it doesn't seem as as uh, as like something that happens as often as it did you're right. That was a thing in the in the two thousands. I don't know. I don't pay attention. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I guess it's one of those journalist questions, really. Whereas, like musicians, is it's a good observation, though. I mean, look, the world is changing, and of course, the music scene is going to change as well. It's harder and harder to make money, right? I mean, this is the thing. I talk, I talk about that on this podcast all the time, and it almost kind of grosses me out. A little bit like it's something that at a certain point in my music fandom i just wouldn't wanted to talk about it all but i just think it is so critical now that if you don't talk about it there's a chance that none of this stuff will happen and that's i mean that would be that would be a tragedy yeah tell me about um the last record that was done over 10 years right exactly yeah it started i started recording some of those songs during the sessions for awu on the toronto island and then it just became this long-standing thing. I think I was making both Age and Home on Native Land concurrently. And they're almost like complete opposite records. I mean, because it's in many ways, it, I mean, it's so obviously indebted to your experience as a Canadian, right? Yeah, I think I was just trying to take the, 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 country, the aspects of country and folk and maybe a little bit of um, blues or something um and and sort of doing that music through my lens i mean there were so many acts that emerged in you know kind of indie rock acts that emerged from canada in the northeast like what was that about like what was going on there with what well it just felt like when i was on the new music desk at enemy it just felt like every week there would be some sort of canadian collective that i kind of needed to know about whether it was a arcade fire or a broken social scene or, or yourselves like what was it about canada that was producing that i do not know i can only speak for myself um and i just with each gig i got a new band member and in between in, in between each gig i was meeting more artists and and musicians and um then each musician would be like, oh, you want a violin player? Well, I know this person. And to me, it was just so fun. It was really yeah. just more about fun and excitement and like um, just the impracticality of it was so fun. And seeing people's reaction. At any point, I mean, it's, like I say, it's been a long time, like 20 years since the, you know, smell of our own next year. But is at is any point it stopped being fun? Mm, yeah, I think once the business aspect of it comes into play, it's 
it's challenging and it is hard to manage a lot of people. And it's like, it's not, it's kind of against my personality. I'm a bit of a quiet person. And um, yeah, I think I have the capacity to be the, the big band leader, but you need a break sometimes from it too. And so if you're doing it every day full on, it gets a bit exhausting. I mean, that's the interesting thing when you watching the movie and just how like you really are like the band leader like everyone is looking to you for their cues i mean yeah like that one gig it was like you know i have to rehearse the full band a whole new string section there's a heart players playing with for the first time there's a choir that i've tried to rehearse and then i have four dancers where we're trying to create a theater piece at the same time yeah yeah um and then you just sit back and you watch what happens but you're not the director because you're the lead singer so there's a lot of shots where I'm looking back and like trying to like direct while being the lead singer. And um, yeah, it's fun to, it's funny to watch in the film. Has it ever, has it ever gone horribly wrong? Oh, too many times to count. I mean, that's the whole point of live music though. Like when I'm watching live music, I like to see maybe something going wrong and then they fix it. And then you're just like more on board with the band. It's like you're going through it with them. Yeah, you're kind of rooting for them. There's some fun moment or when you start the song in the wrong key and then you have to restart it. It's fun. The audience has a laugh and then they're more invested in the song. Yeah. I think the other thing that I always loved about your band or why the record made such an impression on me is that, you know, like I'm a... I've accepted that I'm a straight guy, right? But I was a bit confused, let's say, like in my early 20s. Um and I felt like the lyrics that you wrote, I hadn't, I hadn't ever read anything. I hadn't ever heard words like that. Like, because, you know, pop music, I think in, in many ways, you know, is, is in many ways is dominated by like the heterosexual voice, right? Yeah. So actually kind of like hearing about like gay lust was like really kind of shocking, empowering, exciting to me. Was that kind of the intention, or was it just that you were singing about what you knew? Uh, I know it was more intentional. Like, I don't think I was that experienced, actually. Uh, it was more like, yeah, I was a late bloomer in a way. It was a naivete to it all, too. It was, like, dark and funny. Right? Trying to maybe talk about whatever the gay life is, you know? Well, it just feels like, you know, it's like in many ways... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because it almost feels like something I'm almost not qualified to talk about. But in like many ways, it feels like, you know, with as like um, like culturally, there's been a lot of wins, right? As in, like you would think that we live in a more progressive time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the same time, sometimes when I see like what Pride has become, for example, like sometimes it feels like a more sanitized version of what I think I know about like the culture. And your music was. I mean, like I say, it wasn't it wasn't sanitized at all. And it's a bit of a critical take sometimes on on you know pride or certain things in the gay life. It's you know. Are you working on new stuff at the moment? Yeah, I've been working on a record. I guess it's similar to the Home on Native Land, where Home on Native Land takes the little pieces of folk and country and uh, that I like and making a record. Um, so I'm doing that now with basically all electronic music influences. So there's, um, yeah, a new record that I made in Munich 
that that has some house, definitely house jams and some, I would say, British electronic pop jams. And I have like a Euro Schlager song and I have a couple um, film soundtrack instrumentals and I have a, one ballad that turns into a techno song. All right, it's all go. Yeah, so I'm just working on remixes and um, acapellas and just... It's a little bit on the back burner, but it's it will it'll come out at some point. Are you are you based in Canada again, or I, I, no? I'm totally invested in Berlin now. I mean, I spent the whole pandemic there. Right, right. Because I because you came back for a bit, didn't you? And or is it now that you basically did you go? Back I did to spend Berlin? eleven months back in Canada with the home on native land trap. Um, but no, back in Germany. What is it about? I mean, I've got I've got several friends who are musicians who have decamped to Berlin. What is it about? What is it about the place? Um, so many things. Like the architecture would be one thing. Like I could never live in London. Like I never would want to take the tube every day. Oh. I gladly take. Well, I I don't take the I don't like to take the U-Bahn because I like to bike everywhere. Right. But if I were to take the U-Bahn, it's a real pleasure compared to the tube. I sort of feel like compelled to defend the tube here, but um, I need earplugs. I'm sensitive. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I'm tall as well. I don't like leaning down, and yeah, I don't want to be in a tube. I want to be in an S-bahn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Fair enough. I do feel the rent like... is cheap. The rent is cheap there. Is it? Is I don't it's... know. I like Germ. I like Germany. I don't know. I like. There's something about it. I mean, Germany, I mean, without getting too heavy, like, it's just crazy because it's like, it's all, it's all what happens when a country gets like flattened is forced to rethink everything about itself and can do things the right way. Do you know, like, it's like, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Their arrogance was, um, truncated. Is that the word? absolutely yeah yeah and i like that i like i like their culture of remembrance and their culture of humility and their culture of coalition and european union and the history of art and music and and i could go on but yeah and and sausages as well the food is terrible. I have to say, I would rather, I would love, a, I would love a Marks and Spencer here and there in in Berlin. Right, right. Um, you're not, you're not a fan of the of the bratwurst, then. Oh, you know, when you're in a pinch. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the food in Berlin, though. No. Um, do you like London? Oh yeah, I love London. It's just the tube that's the issue. It's just so full on here. Like it's, it's so intense. Like you know, I'm, I love go- I love going back to Berlin. There's a calmness, and there's a there's a calmness. It just calms me down. You were saying about the pandemic. I'm almost I'm almost at the point where I speak to people now. Where I'm at, it's not the first thing you ask everyone, but for the sake of um, you bringing it up, like how was your pandemic? Uh, well, I had a, my own place that was comfortable, and I think that would be the most important thing, right? And a city that doesn't have too strict regulations or something. Like I heard that people from Barcelona were moving to Berlin because they couldn't even leave their house. And Berlin wasn't like that at all. Like there yeah. was no nobody checking what part of town you are in, and you're not allowed to be here on and curfews. And 
It was none of that. It was like reasonable regulations. And, you know, there's still a mask mandate on the, on the, on the subways there, which is reasonable. I mean, I observe it if it's packed full of people. Yeah. I mean, it's just, think, poli- just polite. Yeah. This is, yeah. I like that. How is, um, I mean, you know, you, you might not be so conscious of it being at a distance, but like, how, how is Canada these days? It sort of feels, it sort of feels like a complicated place at the moment. In what respect? You know, in lots of ways in the West, you know, like we're having reckonings, you know, um, I I think some of the stuff about like indigenous populations kind of getting kind of what is owed to them if that is even possible like in canada is really interesting but at the same time I, from a distance i found some of the trucker stuff quite well quite frightening to be honest i found it quite authoritarian in a way the reaction to it or what the do you mean of- to me that was our january 6th and that was basically truckers honking their horns and making hot tubs and barbecue it, it was like it was nothing compared to january 6th yeah it was almost like reasonable somehow well that's the thing you see but i felt like there was a i felt like there was almost like a a a demonization of a lot of those people and and that's i thought there was maybe more to it than that i mean i certainly yeah it was intense for a moment there but i think the government handled it as best they could i mean again it was nothing compared to the january 6th thing and it was I don't know. I guess it shows that there is a democracy there that you are allowed to protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then in hindsight, the vaccine thing was a bit skit crazy. I mean, these truckers, there was 98% were vaccinated, you yeah, know? Well, I, I, so that it was a bit strict. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a complicated issue. No, well, no, it's, it's good to hear a bit of nuance there, really, because, uh, you know, yeah. nuance, nuance doesn't feel incredibly popular in 2022. Yeah, I know. So just to end on the movie, so the movie obviously had its premiere, but when is it in a place where people can see it? I think it should have a festival run for as long as possible before it's available digitally. Right, okay. So no, we're not showing that anywhere. Well, that's... Um... you got to go to the cinema. I think the next screening will be in Stockholm at the Kulturhuset, and there's applications now for all sorts of documentary music film festivals and so hopefully there'll be some some more interesting screens around the world well i definitely have people who listen to this podcast who are from sweden so that's uh, oh that's good and curious did you see just music is my boyfriend or did you see the full program of shorts no i just saw music is my boyfriend i am oh because it's um i could send you a link to the other shorts starts with the miracle then the making of a miracle then music is my boyfriend and then another short which is us at reclaim the streets and it's to the song breathe on it so well i almost feel I almost feel bad having this transaction when other people are listening. But if you want to get my email address off Ben, I would absolutely love to watch them. Yeah, I'll send that link to you because I think it really works as a series of films. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Listen, Joel, thanks so much for speaking to me, man. And I, uh, Thank I, you. I look forward to, uh, to watching those films. Well, if you're in town on London, April 10th, Owen Pallet and I are doing co-headlining show at Earth earth theater i will absolutely be there it's not it's not far from uh it's not far from my house so yeah i'll be there okay great and hopefully you can promote that when it when it comes closer too amazing 
All right, Joel. Take and yeah, I'll get your email, okay? And thanks again. Bye. Well, that was episode 79. Thanks to Joel for the chat. Thanks to Ben Ayres for hooking us up. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. Have you seen my advent calendar? The fuck is it with the advent calendar? Why are you so obsessed with that goddamn thing? The story sucks anyway. I think I saw it out there in the hallway. Really? I think so. Someone messed with my advent calendar. What are you talking about? Let me see. Nobody messed with it. It looks fine. Oh. And there's a candy corn in this one. Well, they can't all be winners, can they? <laughs>